0: We're going to continue. You have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. My name's Joe Crummy, I'm going to be uh, teaching and speaking this morning, and again we want to welcome you, and it's great to have you, glad that you made it through the snow, so thank you for making the effort to be here. And a wonderful time of worship, and it's great to be able to be in God's presence, and Man, I was a little bit worried at one point because I thought the roof might kind of just lift off. And I think we might have had some angels join us on that one because it was a bit louder than I think we could all do. So that was powerful. So what a way to continue to worship. And as we open up God's word and we want to seek to hear from God this morning as we uh, do that. And so Matthew 18. And if you were here last week, uh, Brent preached a really powerful message from the end of chapter 16 where Jesus is really bringing... Um, sort of a call to commitment, and as he begins to reveal his plan of coming as king and being the disciples with them, and he begins to reveal to them how he's going to have to suffer and die, and then he begins to lay out to them that if anyone wants to follow Jesus, you have to lose your life in order to gain it, and that whole denying yourself and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, it comes at a cost, and there's a whole thing that goes with that, of laying down our lives and our agendas and everything, and picking up what Jesus would have for us. And we're going to pick up the story, and chapters 18 and the next couple chapters really begins to, Jesus begins to teach into what it is to be a community of believers. So he's talking sort of a personal call, and then over these next couple of chapters, he begins to speak to his disciples more on, as you enter the kingdom of God and you become a follower of Christ, you do that, yes, on your own, but you also do that in community As well, in family, and Jesus uses different terms to describe that. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 18. He begins to teach to his disciples about what it is to be a community and a family of believers that are following him. So that's the context where we pick up things this morning. So let's read together, uh, beginning at chapter 18, verse 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child... He put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. You don't see that on the bumper sticker of uh, Jesus' followers very much, do you? Wow. Jesus continues. So Jesus takes sin seriously. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So a lot to take a look at um, this morning. So again, we're talking about things in context of community and this whole sort of thing of kingdom life. And we see the disciples. And again, if you follow Brent last week and hear Jesus saying to them, hey, guys, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I've got to lay down my life, that's what i come for, and you're going to do the same? And you think the disciples might get it? And what's the first thing as we pick up the story again? What are they talking about? Um, Jesus, um, yeah, I kind of forget what you said the other day, but here's the most important thing. Who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? So the disciples, man, I can relate so much. Okay? Here they are talking about, okay, who's going to be famous? Who's going to accomplish the most? Who's going to be number one? It's all about status, position, all those different things. Okay? And they, again, have kind of missed it on what Jesus is talking about as far as the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus begins to teach them about, hey, the entry point in this sort of relationship of entering the kingdom of God and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, it's really this. It's humility. It's humbling yourself, okay, instead of being, you know, sort of that positioning for power, which breeds out of insecurity and jealousy and all those different things, Jesus calls a child to himself, okay, and he says that this child is the example of what it is to be humble. Because if you look at a child, there's some different things that we can learn from being childlike. So I'm not saying be childish, I'm saying be childlike. And there's some things that come along with being a child, okay? It's pretty much this. Children have this great childlike character quality of being able to trust, okay? They have a great sense of being able to trust. And as a child, okay, they're not worried about what they're going to make for supper, okay? Because they're trusting that someone else is going to make supper (laughs) for them, okay? And they're not worried about, hey, where they're going to get their clothes. And they're not worried about all these things because they have a trust factor that's there, okay, that they know that their parents are going to provide. They don't know how much money their parents make. They don't understand all those things. They they will have to pay their taxes first and all those things to worry about. They trust their parents for all their needs. And there's a humility to that. And there's also a humility to say they know they can't make it on their own. They need someone else to help provide a roof over their head, meals on the table, okay? Someone's got to get them from point A to point B, okay? And every part, when they get sick, someone else has to take care of them. There's a humility that we don't think is that strange that they are going to put their trust in a higher authority and that their needs are going to be met. And Jesus is saying, as you want to enter the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of all the things the world strive for. It's like you come in as a child and you have childlike qualities like that. You trust your Father in heaven. And you trust Jesus. And you obey. Can you imagine that child? Jesus pulls the child. The child comes. The child sits down. (laughs) What a simple illustration of Jesus says, come, we come. Jesus says, stay, we stay. When it's time to go, Jesus will tell us it's time to go, because we're obedient to what Jesus calls us to do. And folks, we don't have to make it so complicated as that, as we obey Jesus. We obey his general will, as we see, and Jesus in here, he gives us so much more sort of the principles of what it is to be a part of the kingdom of God, not so much the rule book, but the principles. And this is one of the principles. You come in humility, you come as a child, that's how you enter the kingdom of God. And that is the foundation, for as we're going to see, over this week and next week, of our relationships with one another. That's our relationship with God, but in humility, that's how our relationships start with each other. Because every one of us, as a follower of Jesus, okay, none of us got in because of anything we've done. So the child-likeness, I don't have to try to compete or compare myself with others because by the grace of God, by the gift of God, as accepting that I can't get into heaven on my own, on my own good merit, and neither can any of you. So I don't have to compare myself with you. You don't have to compare yourself to me. We get in by humbling ourselves, turning from our ways, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, believing what he's done on the cross is good enough for us. It satisfies our Father in heaven, and that's how we get in. So we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, That should calm down and get rid of a lot of jealousy, pride, comparing to each other. And in religion, where we're striving to get right with God on our own works, that produces a lot of comparison. And Jesus is saying, that's not it. We come in humble like a child, trusting in Jesus and obeying Jesus. Hey, that's some of the principles of the kingdom of God and community life. Another one is this, that we're a welcoming group. So in this sense, when Jesus talks and he continues to talk about, he brings the child in, he says, anyone? Say, so if you want to be great, be like this child. That's, you're great in the kingdom of God when you're childlike. So it's the upside down kingdom. He's also saying this, and he uses the example of the child. Child here equals Christ's follower. So it's not just little children, like physically little children. He's making the connection that if you become like a little child, and as he goes on, he talks about the little children. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about those who are following him. And he's saying, okay, as you welcome, okay, whether it could be children, anyone who's a Christian, as you welcome them, guess what you're actually doing? You're actually welcoming Jesus. Now that's a radical thought. And if we can get that in our hearts, that changes how we view, okay, church life, and it changes how we view the world. Because Jesus is saying this, okay, some of you, okay, in the world's eyes are going to be a bit weird, you're going to be a bit odd, you're going to be on the outside, you're going to be on the fringe, but if you're a follower of Jesus, then you should be welcoming, and you should be welcomed by the family of God, because you're welcoming Jesus. Can you see again what a radical difference that is so one of the principles of the kingdom of god and the community is that we're a welcoming community because we're welcoming when we welcome each other we're actually welcoming jesus okay. now we can get into okay lots of different things about that okay but that's just one of those principles that should help us when we welcome each other we're welcoming jesus Let's just let that sink for a moment. So for those of you who are serving in kids' church, okay, with Christ Central kids, and again, we've got like from newborn to grade 8, we've got like 90 kids if everyone showed up on the same Sunday, okay? That's a third of our church, okay? And we say it, and I'll say it again, okay? We need helpers, workers, and that. And this is not a guilt thing at all. This is just... Here's the need, but here's what I want us to come at things again, is that it's not just babysitting. It's an opportunity that we have with kids right from the ground up, okay? And when we serve and when we clean the snotty noses and we put up with all the rebellion and all the things that go along and because we know, we call a spade a spade, okay? Sometimes it's tough in kids' church, all right? Okay? Yes. But you got to remember you're welcoming Jesus, how you serve kids, okay, and I'm doing this not to try to pull the wool of your eyes. Okay? this is the truth as you welcome kids, you're welcoming Jesus, okay so what an honor and privilege it is to serve and that should change our attitude as we prepare throughout the week and as we serve on Sunday morning, as we serve with fuel on Saturday night. it changes our attitude, okay those okay. On maybe the fringe, and I won't try to describe it. You can figure out maybe who you think is on the fringe. We can be a welcoming people because we're welcoming Jesus. Okay? Even here on a Sunday morning, okay, how we greet one another, how we go about being hospitable in our life groups, all that. That's a principle of the kingdom of God. This is community life Jesus is talking about. We come in humble, childlike, and we come in very welcoming because we're welcoming Jesus. These are principles of church life. Now, we're building on something, so you've got to get these foundational things because this is really important for this week and for next week as we continue on in chapter 18. So Jesus is starting there. So it would be interesting. We took a vote. Okay, How many people do you think, as we started out on church life, what's one of the most important things about being the family of God? Okay? I don't know if many of us would start with humility <laughs> and being childlike as the first thing, but that's where Jesus starts. And he says, from that... We're welcoming people. He also says this, okay? How you follow Jesus affects not just yourself, but it affects others. Whether you know it or not. And this is where Jesus gets into his whole thing about sin and all these different things. And the bottom line is this, as another principle in the kingdom of God and this family life is, depending upon how committed and how, in a sense, wholehearted we are, following Jesus, we can either be a stumbling block and maybe prevent people from seeing Jesus or coming closer to God, or we can be stepping stones to people coming to know Jesus and seeing God revealed in our day and in our time. And Jesus takes sin very seriously, and he's saying, if you aren't really passionate for Jesus, and some of that comes out of maybe rebellion or disobedience or just being lazy or half-hearted, whatever it might be, okay? You might not realize it, but actually you could be a stumbling block for others coming to know Jesus. And actually, those who are already Christians, you could be a stumbling block to them. Because you might actually push them off from being more committed to following Jesus. And that's why Jesus is saying, Hey, take sin seriously. And he kind of, you know, he kind of speaks in uh, heavy terms to kind of get your attention, although Christians throughout the ages, some have cut off their arms and stuff like that in order to be literally. Seriously, you go through church history because they'd rather, okay, err on the side of taking Jesus literally. I think this is the point. Sin is like this. So sin, okay, when we disobey God, when we go our own way, okay, whatever it might be in heart and attitude and action, sin is like this. Okay, let me just use this illustration. Tim Keller, a preacher in New York, uses this illustration. I think it's excellent. He says, a sin, and we think sometimes small things, sin is like a pillow being on fire in your house. What should you do with it? You should get rid of the pillow. You should put the pillow, you should put the fire out. Okay, just in case you didn't have your coffee this morning. Okay. But he says, And this is what Jesus is getting at. What we think we can do is we think sin and what I enjoy may be pleasurable that isn't in God's will. We think we can just kind of put it in the corner and it won't affect the rest of our house. And we think I can compartmentalize. I've got sin. I've got this maybe secret thing or maybe everything else. And I hide it away thinking there's no way it will infiltrate or affect the rest of my life or anyone else's life. And Keller goes on to say, sin is like a burning pillow, that if you don't deal with it, guess what? It can burn your whole house down. And not only yours, those around you. And Jesus is saying, for his glory, for his honor, because he's a holy God, but also for our own good and the good of others in our fellowship and to be a witness to the world. Okay? Take sin seriously. If you've got a burning pillow, get rid of it. Put the fire out before it destroys Other things and we are naive and we fool ourselves if we think I can compartmentalize and I can keep the sin hidden and then under my control it's like saying I can keep fire under control you can't so by our words and our actions and our lifestyle we can be a stumbling block to people we can become a stumbling block we stumble ourselves and we can affect others or as we're obedient to God, as we love God out of a heart of love because he loves us, okay, and that he's freed us from the power of sin and we can live obedient lives that are worshiping him, we can be a stepping stone that people can see Jesus in us, okay? So these are principles together, okay, individually and together as a family of God, as a community of believers. They're kingdom life principles. And the first one is this, we're childlike. And that means we're humble, okay. we're obedient to God, that means we're welcoming one another, and it means we're wholehearted for God. That we take sin seriously, and that if we have to do radical things to get rid of it, then do it. Because it will help save your life, and hopefully others around you. Okay. Second thing, as we move on, okay? we see this other principle in the whole thing of what jesus is talking about and i'm just going to call it pastoral care okay it's about being spiritual care in church life in the family life okay and jesus uses this illustration of a shepherd and if you read in i think it's luke chapter let me see i have it written out. luke chapter 15 okay jesus tells a similar story as well and it's one in luke 15 he talks about this he talks about three stories he talks about a lost coin talks about lost sheep, and he talks about a lost person, a lost son. And in that context, Jesus is talking about how the Father in Heaven cares for those who don't know him. Okay, So that's the whole thing. They're lost. They don't even know it, and how God's desire is for them to know him, and that's why Jesus was sent. In this context, Jesus is actually talking about those who are already believers and followers of Jesus, who can still stray off. That's the context of it. And all throughout the Bible, shepherd is a great uh, illustration, analogy of what God is like for us. And so, probably one of the most famous Old Testament Psalms is this Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And how God takes this on as He's the shepherd, He's the overseer, He's our protector. Okay? All those different things that come along with being a shepherd. And Jesus picks up the theme in the New Testament as well. Let me just read out some things. This is from John chapter 10. And Jesus talks about him being the good shepherd and his followers being the flock. And Jesus said, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. He says, All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever, is en- whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come and go and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. And he goes on to say this whole thing about how he is the good shepherd. And Jesus is the ultimate example, okay, of what it is to be a good shepherd. He is, and he's done it. He's laid down his life. And he goes on to say, you know, if you hire just a hireling, okay, who doesn't, isn't the owner And doesn't love the sheep, okay? As soon as the wolves and the bears not come, guess what? Er, He's out of there. Okay? He's going to save his own skin. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep, for his people. So he's our ultimate oversight. Okay? And as we go on in the Bible, even in the other letters that guys like Peter and Paul and that who came after, they always point back to Jesus being the ultimate. He's the chief shepherd. He's the overseer of our souls. And Jesus is also our example, okay? He's the one who is our example of being the good shepherd, okay? He's the one who feeds us, protects us, okay? He's the one who leads us, guides us. Jesus is the good shepherd, okay? So that's the model, and he also is the one that we see who came, and he goes after those who might stray, okay? So what a great example. It's the heart of of God. Okay? So if you want to know, does God really love me? Yes, he does. And he says it over and over again that he wants to leave those, and he doesn't do it at the expense of the ninety-nine, but he goes after because he seeks and saves that which are his own. He loves you. That's what he's getting at. And Jesus, as we see, and in this context of church life, we see this that Jesus provides other shepherds to care for his flock. And as we read on in the New Testament, we see how the flock becomes into local churches and God provides by the appointment of his Holy Spirit elders who are like shepherds okay, for the flock. So let me just read this one to you from 1 Peter. So this is Peter writing, who would have been with Jesus when Jesus was saying this. And Peter writes later, many years later, he says, writing a letter to church leaders, says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So God has provided elders to help oversee and guard the flock in local churches. And here's what elders do, okay? They serve in every way. Okay? So, everything. They protect through doctrine and in practice. And folks, as Jesus said, we have an enemy who wants to rob, kill, and destroy. And he says, wo- he sends wolves among the sheep. So we take care of dealing with those things. We feed people the word of God, and we bring in things to help disciple people. We guide people in vision and strategy. We govern through church discipline and different things with finances. We're examples in lifestyle, family, how we handle money, how we handle people, all those different things. And most important, we're accountable. So listen to this from the writer of Hebrews says, Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Folks, we are accountable to God. So that's a humbling thing to know in our lifestyle, in our teaching, and how we care for you, we're accountable to God and we will stand before God and give an account of how we do that. So that's a humbling thing. So it's a great privilege to be able to serve with a willing heart. And that's what God has provided in his means for us to be able to grow and to mature, and to become more like Jesus. Okay. Now in our church, okay, here's kind of where we're at. As we've grown over the years, so right now we have three elders, Kevin, Gary, and I, and right now when we look at who would call themselves part of Christ Central that we feel we're responsible for, and we're always fleshing that out, we're at probably about age 16 and over, about 230 people if everyone was here in a corporate meeting, and you add in those 90 um, children and youth. So that puts us over um, 300. And so we're feeling the weight of that. And uh, as we continue to grow, we want to have a system in place where we continu- continue to disciple and care for people. And so what we just wanted to share as part of this, it fit right in. So I was going to do it during announcement time, but I thought, well, we'll just fit, it fits right into Jesus' teaching here. Is that we want to expand the eldership, so that we can continue to work as a team to be able to help grow and uh, be able to feed and govern and all those things in church life. So we as elders, along with Don and Jeremy and those apostolic team that we work with and other leaders in our church, okay, we just want to recognize Brent Smith, um, and we're going to put him forward to recognize him as an elder in the next couple of months. And so we feel Brent meets all those things. If you read in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 2... In character and be able to lead himself and family and into church life in this past year as he's gained more and more relationship with many of you and seeing how that has grown that um, we want to bring him into this eldership team and with great chemistry with us so over the next couple of weeks if there's any concern on any of that and if you have any scriptural reasons why uh, you don't think that could happen or any questions about that come and talk to us as elders, we need your feedback. If you want to affirm that, we're glad to hear that, <laughs> as well. Okay, and then we'll uh, have a process in place over the next couple of months to uh, see that if that all goes ahead. Okay, so that's really exciting, and we want to thank you for uh, again just being able to be uh, supportive of us and bringing Brent on staff last year. And um, I just want also want to take okay, time just to explain how that practically get, gets worked out in our church life. Because sociologists tell you this, okay? Basically, for the most part, in any different context, you can only really get to know about 70 or 80 people before you're maxed out. Okay? And for those who are really high capacity, about 150. Okay? And that goes in all kinds of different, I'm talking business, sports, whatever, church culture as well. And so the reality is, okay, for us as elders, and depending upon your church background, a lot of times there's maybe one pastor or whatever that's trying to look after, okay? Tons of people. And we're not, we're not building on that model, okay? We're building a model of teams. So we have a plurality of elders, and we also have a system in place to help with that. And so one of our main systems here in our church is life groups. We have small groups where people can come together that can actually get to know each other better, have some fun and friendship, be able to be accountable to each other, grow together, dig into God's Word together, pray for each other, care for each other, challenge one another, all those things. And we meet Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights in homes throughout okay, the city. And We have a student life group. We've even got small groups even built into our whole youth and with our fuel at night and all those things. And even on Sunday mornings with our kids. It's such a foundational thing. Okay? Are they perfect? No. Are there some flaws and ups and downs? Absolutely. Okay? It's not a foolproof thing, but it's biblical. They met in big groups. They met in small groups. And this is where we need your help. Okay? Because if you have an expectation that you're going to get pastoral care in our church, that you're going to get to come to Joe all the time, okay, you're setting yourself up for big disappointment. <laughs> so I'm just putting it out there, Okay? because it probably won't happen, because I can't look after 300 people. Okay? It's, you're going to burn me out, okay? and I'm going to fail you. So, argh, we're not going to do that. Because okay? I want to be healthy, and I want you to be healthy. All right? You're not even going to be able to come to Kevin, Gary, Joe, and say, Brent, you're not all going to get to April. You're all, all going to get okay, to those on staff to help. Okay? So you got to, we have to change. You have to always change that we're not building to one man, one pastor. Okay, We're asking you to be involved in small groups where, what we call life groups here, where you have a life group leader or a couple of people who have coordinators who help oversee them, that that's your primary first place to go for pastoral care and to get help with things. Now, people there might not know how to help you and then there's other things to go, but that's your primary way. So, we have an issue. If you're not in a small group, then we're, there's a big gap. So we have to work at helping train up new leaders to provide more life groups for you to be a part of. Some of you, okay, and I'll say this, some of you can't get to a life group because you're working evenings, you're single parent, all those things, okay? So we try to customize things, and we have other groups that meet, okay? So some guys can't meet, whatever. They're meeting like at 6 a.m. on Friday morning to be together four or five of them to help each other, okay? Some of our moms, they can't get out, but they've got their mom's group on Wednesday morning, okay? Life groups are the ideal that we're going for, okay? But if you can't make it to a life group, we will try to customize something for you. But we're going to need some help to do that. The main thing is, is that you're connected in somewhere, that you're growing with other people. That's the most important thing, and that we as elders and leaders know where you're connected. So if you're meeting in one of those smaller groups, if you could let us know, that would be a big help. We can make sure that you're on track with that. Not in a controlling way, but in an oversight way. Okay? These are the most important things in context for growth and maturing and becoming more like Jesus. Okay? So our Congolese friends who have come, okay, getting them connected to a life group has been a great thing. Otherwise, we're only going to see them on Sunday morning. That's the reality of it. But you get plugged into a life group and things begin to build relationships and connect and feel part of things. But also, you grow and get to serve, okay, and you're part of a team together. It's so, so important. And in this context of Jesus saying to his community, okay, there's some principles to be involved. Childlike, you're welcoming, okay, you're committed. Jesus is our good shepherd, okay? So we can cry out to Jesus, okay? And he's our good shepherd. He's the overseer of our souls. But Jesus works through his body, the church, and he's given elders as shepherds who are following the good shepherd to help. And those shepherds are working with people like life group leaders and ministry leaders and other people to help you grow and mature and change because we're all in it together. And if you don't understand that, you could be really, really missing out and you could be really, really disappointed and you could feel really excluded and we do not want that. Okay? And that really just leads into our last thing as our time's gone. Okay? There's some things here that we're trying to provide the framework and the context for you to grow and mature in Christ and to learn more and through following Jesus, through preaching and teaching, through relationships, through caring for one another, through serving, through being missional and looking how we can serve out. We want that to be a secure place for you to grow and to find a home and to work out. But we need your help in that. Okay? And what we can find is this. We can either be secure in that or as these sheep are, because we're all sheep, we can stray. And there might be various reasons for it. Okay, I've just put some down. Hmm? We can get isolated. And folks, this is probably the number one on the list of how we get sort of disconnected from church life and we can stray, is we get isolated. Okay, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. Okay, I put some of them down. We can get too busy. Okay, we can get lazy. We can get offended. Okay, we can get distracted from all kinds of different things. Because the reality is, as you are in your life groups and as you're in church life, people are going to bug you. There's just no other way around it. okay. And if you left yourself alone enough, you'd, you'd bug yourself, okay? So you can't just blame it on other people, huh? okay? But I've seen it so many times. People, people get offended. Maybe a life group doesn't fit people's needs, okay? Whatever the case might be, we can come up with. And, I'm, and some of it's legit, okay? I'm not, it, it is legit, okay? People say stupid things, and they shouldn't have, and your feelings get hurt. It happens. It does, okay? So I'm not saying it doesn't. Just what do we deal, how, we do, how do we deal with it when it does happen? Okay. And I can go probably almost every week and we do the same thing Sunday morning through prayer meeting, through life groups and everything, and I can have two people come to me under the exact same settings and some people come up to me and say, this is the best church I've ever been a part of. I'm growing here. I love it. I love how you're doing everything. And we can have the exact same conversation with someone else who says, I don't feel like I fit. I don't feel like I'm being fed. I don't know where I'm going to serve. And, and we have to work with both of those. But we need you to do your part, okay? If you're not satisfied with something, if you're not satisfied in your life group, you have permission to say, hey, maybe I need to go to a different life group. Okay? Or maybe we'll say, maybe God's working some stuff out in you. Okay? Both answers could be right. We have to take it on a case-by-case thing. My point is this: At the end of the day, you have to understand this. God really does care for you. Okay, He sent His Son as the Good Shepherd, and if you stray, He wants He's coming after you. <laughs> okay, and some of us do that as well because He loves you. Okay, He doesn't want to see you picked off or isolated or distracted, and He doesn't want you, okay, getting hurt. Okay? And as we finish this morning, there's a personal choice for you. Is Without sort of anything, any sort of heavy, it's just clear, okay, now's the time, okay, so if you're feeling on the fringe or maybe disconnected, can I just ask you to make a personal decision, maybe to say, okay, I'm going to give it another three months, I'm going to get plugged in, I'm going to maybe change my attitude or my perspective, and Jesus, okay, I don't want to be picked off, I don't want to be isolated, I'm going to work, maybe you need to have a talk with your life group leader or a coordinator, maybe need to talk to us as elders okay we want to work with that okay you might know someone who was a part of our church or part of your life group that hasn't been there and maybe in the right way okay might be good for you just to check up on them and see how they're doing and maybe they're ones who have strayed and maybe it would be good for you to take the initiative to give them a phone call or drop an email again not in any guilt way but just hey we missed you how you doing can we get together? okay? That's us taking responsibility for each other. And again, one or two of us can't do that for 300 people. We need to do this together. Okay? So there's some personal decisions and some personal choices that we have to take responsibility for, both in our own selves being connected, but also in helping one another care for each other in church life and in church family. Okay. So this morning, quick review. Jesus is beginning. Okay, as Brent talked last week, it's a personal thing and that you have to deny yourself. You gotta pick up your cross, follow Jesus, okay, and that puts our agendas and all those things aside and we become followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus switches gears very quickly to say, it is in one sense, it's all about you in one sense that you just can't get saved because you come to church on Sunday morning. It's a personal thing. But as soon as it's that, guess what? It's a together thing. And he begins his teaching on bringing his followers together. And he's saying, the kingdom of God, we're humble people. Okay? We're welcoming people. We're committed to following Jesus. Okay? Jesus has provided great oversight for us to be cared for because he loves us. And he wants to see us grow and have abundant life in him. And Jesus is the good shepherd who's given other shepherds to oversee local churches who equip and empower and delegate to others to be able to see people connected together in those smaller groups, being cared for, growing, serving, finding their gifts, and going outward. And each one of us, no matter where we find ourselves sort of in that family church life, we have personal decisions to make, personal choices to say, am I going to grow And am I going to get in? And am I going to connect? And am I going to do my part, okay, under God's grace to grow up and to mature in Christ? Do We have to understand that am I straying, okay? Maybe I need to throw a pillow out of my house. (laughs) Okay, maybe I need to deal with some sin. Maybe I need to change my attitude. Maybe I need to try again. And we're responsible to each other that if we see people straying, or drifting, or missing, or gone AWOL. You know what? You don't just rely on Joe to give them a phone call. We are in this together. Okay? What a great opportunity. Okay? What a great opportunity to be part of something, of belonging to something, that hopefully looks different from what the world offers. With Jesus leading the way, with his Holy Spirit and the Word of God feeding us and growing us together. That we get to be in this together. That it's not all about you. But guess what? It includes you. That great paradox. Okay? Let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. In living out the life that he called us to live. So Father in heaven, we thank you again today. We thank you for Jesus most of all. Our great shepherd who's laid down his life for us. That we might come back into your fold that we can have a relationship with you. And we thank you that not only is he the ultimate example, okay, he's alive today and that he's leading his church. And I thank you that you've given leaders to help govern and guide and to guard the church. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for each one of us being connected, Lord. One body, many members, God, working together. And Father, we pray today, God, for those who have been distracted, Lord, who are maybe strayed today, who aren't here. God, we pray Lord, would you help us, Lord, in love, Lord, and in care to reach out? Lord, I pray, Lord, for those of us maybe who are struggling today, Lord, to make a personal decision to say, I'm going to get connected, Lord. I pray, Lord, would you bring them right into the heart of your body? Lord, we pray, God, for us to be an example and a witness to this world of what it is to be a kingdom life of following Jesus together. Lord, help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.